Church, please stand up for the reading of the Word of God. It will be taken from the book of Proverbs, chapter 8, verses 1 through 21. Proverbs 8, 1 through 21. Do not wisdom cry, doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? She is standing in the top of high places, by the way in the places of the path. She cried at the entry of the city, at the coming in at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. Ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. For my mouth shall speak truth. And wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing forward or perverse in them. They are all plain to him that understandeth, and write to them that find knowledge. Receive my instruction, and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding, I have strength. By me kings reign and princes decree justice. By me, princes rule, and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness, in the midst of the paths of judgment that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. The Lord bless the reading of His Word. Please, and turn to Proverbs chapter 8. And I want to speak to you today, to everyone on this Father's Day. But God put a Father's Day verse right here in Proverbs 8, since I'm preaching through Proverbs. This is naturally the next passage I would be dealing with. But when I read verse 4 of Proverbs chapter 8, look what it says. It says, unto you, O men, I call. So what a good text for our fathers. Unto you, O men. Wisdom is calling out for the men to hear. And he says, and my voice to the sons of men. And then, under that, there's a... Verse Proverbs chapter 8. Look at verse 17. And there it says, By me, uh, verse 17, I love them that love me. So we are to be men and women who love who? Love wisdom. In this passage, yes, we're to love God. We're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But here, he's saying, I, wisdom... Wisdom is speaking in Proverbs chapter 8. He says, I, wisdom, love them that love me. 
We need to be lovers of wisdom. You know, that's what philosophy means. Philosopher. Phileo is love and Sophia is wisdom. A philosopher is a lover of wisdom. We are the true philosophers of this world because we love true wisdom that is found where? In the Lord. In Jesus Christ, who is our wisdom. Verse 21 also says it. Can you read verse 21 with me? It says, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance and I will fill their treasures. So wisdom is calling. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. Wisdom is crying, chapter 8, verse 1, in this chapter. This is wisdom's autobiography, if you will. And so today I want to speak to you on why dads and all of us need to love wisdom. Because wisdom is calling. And wisdom says, I love them that love me. And those that love me will inherit substance. So we ought to love and we must be lovers of wisdom. Let's pray. Father, now take this time. Help us to understand this passage. Applying it to our personal lives. To love wisdom, O God. And You said, Lord, even in the great book of James, if any man love, uh, ask You for wisdom, that You will give to all men liberally. You upbraid not. So, Lord, we ask You for wisdom today and we, uh, we ask You to give us a love for the wisdom that is from above, that is first pure and peaceable and gentle and easy to be entreated and full of mercy and good fruits. So, Lord, give us Your wisdom today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, there was a preacher in the 1860s in Philadelphia his name was Dudley Ting. And he was forced to resign his church when he spoke out against slavery in the 1850s pre-Civil War. Now remember in New York City in about 1858, there was a great revival that started right here in New York City. They called it the prayer meeting revivals. And those revivals spread. And believe it or not, they spread to that city of brotherly love called Philadelphia. And Dudley Ting was a young preacher there, forced to resign from his church for speaking out against slavery. But he was preaching the lunchtime prayer meeting sessions at the YMCA. And upward to 5,000 people would go every lunchtime, noontime, to hear the preaching of God's Word in Philadelphia and as well as in cities around the nation at that time. In one sermon... He preached to 5,000 young men at the Philadelphia YMCA. Over 1,000 of them made a profession of faith. And during that sermon, he said, I would rather that this right arm were amputated at the trunk than that I should come short of my duty of delivering the Gospel of Jesus Christ to you. A few days after that, Dudley left the study of his country home and he went out into the barn, his barn. There he had a mule who was harnessed to a machine that was shelling corn. And somehow when he patted the mule, his, his arm got caught in this machine and his arm was badly maimed. And sadly, he passed away the following week from this injury. But before he died... A group of pastors came to visit with him. And they said to him, 
they asked him, if, do you have any message for the other pastors and for those who are gathering at noontime in prayer? Do you have any message for them? And he said, tell them, let us all stand up for Jesus. George Duffield was in that group and he was touched by those dying words. And we sang this morning that hymn, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus, that came out of George Duffield hearing Dudley Ting say, we need to stand up for Jesus. And those are the kinds of fathers we need today. Fathers who will stand up for Jesus. And in order to stand up for Jesus, we need the wisdom of God. Now we've been going through Proverbs, chapter by chapter. And by now I believe it should be obvious to us that we must follow and love wisdom. It should be obvious to us that we should reject folly. And in this chapter we see wisdom Really, the autobiography of wisdom. Wisdom speaks from the very first verse to the last verse of this somewhat lengthy chapter of Proverbs chapter 8. Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice. And we see that wisdom cries in a sense far and wide. Wisdom is crying from the hustle and bustle of the city. Wisdom is crying from the fierce corridors of culture where decisions are made. Wisdom is crying, even if you look in verse number 22, wisdom says, the Lord possessed me in the beginning of His way, before the works of old. Verse 23, I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning Before ever the earth was, wisdom soars above space and time. Wisdom is crying out unmistakably in chapter 8. In the hustle and bustle of life, wisdom is crying with great transparency, with great authority, with great fearlessness. Wisdom is crying where people are doing business, where people are walking along life's pathway, making decisions, embarking on new situations, and going through new journeys of life on the pathways, in the way, by the places of the paths. Verse 2, wisdom is crying at the gates. Verse 3, where the people are transacting business, where they're doing politi- making political decisions that affect other people, where they settle disputes. Wisdom is crying right where people live in chapter 8. That's the point. Because everyone who passes by needs wisdom. O men, unto you, O men, I call. Wisdom is crying. Unto you, O men, I call. Wisdom is also crying. It says even in verse 5, he says, O ye simple, understand wisdom. You know who the simple are? The simple are the unformed, the undecided, the uncommitted. So if you're sitting here today and you're saying, I'm not sure the Bible's the Word of God. I'm not sure Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm not sure He's the only way to heaven. I'm I'm still not sure He died on the cross for the sins of the world and rose again. If you're undecided and uncommitted, wisdom is crying out to you today, dear friend. It's not too late for you, but you know what? It may be too late if you don't decide. 
Because ultimately, there's only two paths. There's the path of wisdom and the path of foolishness. And there's no third path. Wisdom is crying. Zoring far and wide above space and time. And then we see as well that it's a no-brainer what we should do with wisdom. It's a no-brainer. I call this, this is a no-brainer. While we have the opportunity, we must walk in the way of wisdom. I challenge you. Here's the challenge today. Love wisdom. Love God with all your heart and love the wisdom of God and follow the path of wisdom. It's a no-brainer. But, because of the sinfulness of our human hearts, do you know wisdom has a hard sell in a fallen world? In other words, people are not going to naturally gravitate to wisdom. Why? Because wisdom leads to a narrow way. Wisdom has hard things. Hard things to say. We don't like the hard things. We don't like the narrow way. We want the broad way. We want it easy. But wisdom emphasizes self-discipline. Moral purity. Not self-indulgence. That's the way of wisdom. Not, not just do as you please. Go where you want. Speak what you want. Live with whoever you want. The way of foolishness seems easy and sweet at the beginning. And therefore, wisdom has a hard sell in a fallen world. The way of foolishness, the, the mouth of that strange woman, her mouth drips with honey. And her, her speech is smoother than oil. But where does it end? It ends in the death trap. Remember the death trap? It ends, it says, her house is the way to hell. And she has cast down many wounded and there are many going to the chambers of death because they fell for the flattering foolishness of this world that seems easy at the beginning, but at the end it leads to hell. You say the, see, the way of wisdom seems easy and sweet, but it ends in death. Wisdom has a hard sell and it may be hard for us to hear and it seems impossible even to do to follow the Lord in such a day. But the way of wisdom ends in life. The way of wisdom is life. The way of wisdom is peace. One other point I want to make about the, these chapters. These chapters are so interesting. But in these first nine chapters, we're calling them the gateway chapters of Proverbs. So they're in more narrative form. Once we hit chapter 10, and we're almost there, we're in chapter 8, so it's just chapter 8 is wisdom's autobiography. It's all about wisdom. Chapter 9, there are, we'll see two invitations. There's an invitation of wisdom, and there's an invitation to, of folly. And then it goes into the sentence Proverbs. So these first nine chapters, really, it, it presents to us these two choices. Wisdom or foolishness. And over and over again, we're presented with these choices in different ways. And in these first nine chapters, there are two main friends of wisdom that are challenging this son to walk in the way of wisdom. There's, they're the parents, 
the father and the mother, and we met them in chapter 1, and then throughout these gateway chapters, we hear the father say, my son, my son. We think the father could be the mother, or both parents, my son, my son. So we hear the, the parents speak. But then sometimes we hear wisdom speak. In chapter 1, if you go back to chapter 1, wisdom cried as well. In chapter 1, verse 20, wisdom cries. Without, she utters her voice in the streets. So this is the second main cry of wisdom. So it's interesting, we have these two different friends of wisdom challenging the son to follow the way of wisdom. The parents and wisdom itself. Wisdom crying. And a lot of people wonder, well, who who is this wisdom that is crying in the streets? Because this wisdom is personified as a female. So we can't say this wisdom is God, because God is not a female. And Jesus Christ is not a female. So it's not God, and wisdom is not God in these these Proverbs uh, chapters. But what I find interesting is there's little difference between the parents' teaching and wisdom's teaching. And I want to just show, just want to look at a couple examples of how the parents' teaching and wisdom teaching is similar and both are really pointing the son to the word of God itself. So let's just look at a couple of verses. Go to Proverbs chapter 6. I just want to give you an example of this. If you look at verse 20, and here's the parents speaking. And he says, My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the law of thy mother. I'm in Proverbs 6, verse 20. Bind them continually upon thine heart. Tie them about thy neck. And then he says, and I'm going to skip down to verse 24, because this is the verse that I want to emphasize. And he says that, So that the father's words and the mother's words are to be bound to his heart and about his neck to keep thee from the evil woman from the flattery of the tongue of the strange woman. So the teaching of the parents was to protect the children from the foolishness of the world embodied by this strange woman. Now look in chapter 7. In chapter 7, if you look there, he says in verse 4 of chapter 7, he says, the father's speaking, but he says, Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister. And call understanding thy kinswoman. In other words, love wisdom like you love your own flesh and blood. And then he says, that they may keep thee from the strange woman. So just as the teaching of the parents protected the son, wisdom protects the son as well from the strange woman. Proverbs chapter 7 verse 5. And from the stranger which flattereth with her words. That's one example. Let me give you one other quick example. Go to Proverbs chapter 4. If you look in verse 20, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. And the reason I'm doing this, this is just a little brief aside study. So when you read this, maybe it will help. I'm trying to help you understand these chapters of Proverbs better. Because as you read them, so you understand what you're reading. So the the father and the mother sometimes speak and sometimes wisdom speaks. But they're, they're working together as, if you will, representatives and voices through which God speaks. So look at Proverbs chapter 4, please. Look at verse number 20. And here he says, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear to my sayings. And then he says similar things throughout these chapters. Here he says, Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them 
or guard them in the midst of thine heart. And now look what he says in verse 22. What are the words of the father to or the words of the parents to this son? Verse number 22. What does it say? They are what? Life. The words of the parents are life. Now look in Proverbs chapter 8. Go back to Proverbs chapter 8 with wisdom talking and skip all the way down to the end of the chapter to verse 35. And wisdom says, Whoso findeth me findeth what? Life. So, the teaching of wisdom is consistent with the teaching of the parents. So parents, this is our challenge. Teach your children the wisdom of God. So that there's no difference between what you're teaching your children and what the wisdom of God is teaching your children. They'll respect you. They'll say, wow, my parents are telling me the truth because they love wisdom. So fathers, love wisdom and impart that wisdom. We must impart that wisdom to our children. And so dear dads, hear wisdom's cry. And you cannot say, I didn't get that text. A text I, did you ever send a text and it didn't quite get to its sender? To the person you sent it? That happens to me. You cannot say about wisdom, I didn't get that email. Here it is, wisdom is crying in the streets. And there's three practical reasons why dads, and all of us, this is for all of us, need to love wisdom. And I'm going to put each of the points with an L word. The first word is to live. The second word is to lead. The third word is to learn. And the notes are in your bulletin today if you want to follow along. So the first point of why we need to love wisdom is we need to live with integrity. Without loving wisdom, we will not be able to have or be people of integrity. When I say integrity, what do I mean? Can you say it with me? Integrity is... A person of integrity has the right values and then integrates them into his actions. So a person of integrity says, these are my values, but then they're consistent. They live consistently because if they have those values but don't live them out, what does that make them? Not a person of integrity, but a person who is a, a hypocrite. The only way we will be people of integrity and live out that integrity is if we love wisdom. He that loveth me findeth life. I love them that love me. That I may cause those that love me to inherit substance and I will fill their treasures. Love wisdom. Live with integrity. Now notice in these verses, in this passage of Scripture, especially in verse 6 and 7, there's a number of character traits wisdom has. He says, wisdom speaks, I should say, she says, for my mouth shall speak truth. So wisdom is truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Wisdom is not wickedness and has nothing to do with the wickedness and the immorality of this world. And that's why, too, you know where James says in James chapter 3, gives a divine definition of wisdom? 
where James says, wisdom that is from above is first what? Pure. Because wisdom finds wickedness an abomination to her lips. A man or woman of wisdom will not speak wicked words. And it says, all the words of my mouth are righteousness. There's nothing froward or perverse. That means crooked, twisted. I mean, we're living in a twisted world. A crooked world. It was crooked then and it's crooked now. Sometimes it shocks us, but really we shouldn't be shocked. This is the world. And we're called to be lights in the darkness. There's darkness out there. You're the light. Without you, it's dark. You're the light of the world. And you have, because you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. So wisdom's words are precious. They're excellent. They're right. They're true. They're never wicked. They're righteous. They're not twisted. They're not perverse. Verse 9 says they're plain to him that understandeth and right to them that find knowledge. Her words are precious and her words are priceless. Wisdom is better to have, and this is not the first time we've heard this comparison, but wisdom is better to have than gold. It's better to have than silver. Get wisdom, we're told, back in, go back to Proverbs chapter number 4 and verse number 5. He says, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth, forsake her not, she shall preserve thee, love her. You see, love her, love wisdom. We need to be philosophers, lovers of wisdom. And she shall keep thee. Why? Because chapter 3, verse 16 says, Length of days is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasantness. Her paths are peace. Do you want a life of pleasantness? Do you want a life of peace? Don't we all? She's a tree of life. Wow, that brings us back to the Garden of Eden before there was sin. We can, in other words, the closest we will get to the to peace on earth, a Garden of Eden kind of living, is to live out wisdom, the wisdom of Jesus Christ who loves us so much. He died on the cross for our sins. And the merchandise of wisdom, even this, this child, look at chapter 3, verse 14, the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver. It's better than gold. Now, we're not living in a world that believes that. That sounds crazy to people. You, wait, you mean to tell me it's better to have wisdom than gold? Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. And that's why I'm telling you, love wisdom. Because if you don't love wisdom before gold, guess what you're going to love first? What are you going to love first? And what is that? The love of money. That's your choice. <laughs> and the, we're going to go to that verse at the end, so hold on. So wisdom's instruction is priceless. Chapter 8 says the same things we've been just mentioning in verse 11. If you go back to Proverbs 8, wisdom is better than rubies. All the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. Think of that. This isn't, my, this isn't what I think. This is the Word of God. 
We have to believe this. If we don't believe it, nobody will. Because we're not living in a world that's going to embrace this. But this is the truth. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. This is an ancient version of Proverbs of Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We don't put the things first. We put God first. You see, we must live with integrity. Let me just ask you this. Are you a person of integrity? Are you honest? Are you pure? Are you gentle? Are you trustworthy? Are you punctual? Do you have integrity? Do you have the right values? And do you integrate them into your actions? Are, they, do you, are you living it out? That's, that's what we need to be. Now, I want to do something that I haven't done hardly at all, if ever. And I want to offer a prayer during the message right now. Because when we talk about fathers, and even when we celebrate Father's Day, a lot of people struggle with Father's Day. Because a father's role is to protect, provide, to love, and lead. And many people, even maybe some in our midst, do not have, have not had a father who has protected you and provided for you and loved and led you. Maybe you had a father that abandoned you or abused you. Maybe you had a father that was dysfunctional and your home was broken by divorce. Or you've been haunted and hurt. And that hurt has been carried into your adult life. Maybe you had a father that died when you were young. Or maybe he left you for some other reason. Maybe he's blamed you for things that were not your fault. Maybe he did not work and he was a lazy man. Or maybe he worked too much and you never saw him. It's difficult to be a father and to have all those balances. But I want to offer a prayer for those. And someone did ask me, to pray along these lines in our church. And I was asked to do this and I feel led to comply. And I realize that I will never be your father. My children are not here. I have three children and they are not here. I will never be your father. But as a pastor and as, and as your friend, I'm, a, I'm many of your friends, I know most of you as a friend, I have a father's heart for you. Some of you are old enough to be my children. And I love you like a father. But I want to ask our Heavenly Father to bless you. To bless you with the love that is greater than any human father could have for you. The love of our Heavenly Father is an infinite and eternal love. An everlasting love. So I'm just going to ask, could we stand together? And I want to offer a special prayer of blessing for those who have not had the blessing of their earthly father. And I want to put the blessing of our heavenly father upon you. Let's pray. O great father of heaven and earth, richly bless those in my midst today, in our midst. Bless them in the ways that their father may have failed to bless them. Help them to know that they are loved. Help them to know that You are glad that they are born. That You have created them uniquely and beautifully in Your image. You have given them amazing 
talents and amazing gifts. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I beseech you to bless each one here in all the ways that their Father may have failed them. Touch them today, Lord. Lord Jesus, by the power of your cross, through the precious blood you shed on the cross, set them free. For those who replay harsh and cruel words that their Father has said to them, Lord, I know that some harsh and abusive words spoken by Father replay in the hearts and minds of some here. They hear those harsh words at night when they're alone or when they're trying to go to sleep and they remember them over and over. But Lord Jesus, I pray that You would heal them of those words. I pray that You would help them to replace those words with Your words of love. For Your grace is always sufficient. Holy Spirit of God, Set those free from those words or actions done by their fathers or their mothers that pierce them or haunt them. Set them free from any abuse, disappointment. Set them free from anger and rage. And right now, may they cast their cares upon You, Lord. Cast your cares on the Lord Jesus. He loves you. He's full of integrity. Our Heavenly Father is wisdom, full of integrity. And He cares for you with an infinite love. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Heavenly Father, we know that you are a perfect Father. You forgive us. You welcome us. You receive us. And maybe we were not forgiven by our earthly Father. We were not welcomed or received by our earthly Father. But we are by you, even as you receive the prodigal Son. You lavish your love as well upon us who are just like those prodigals. Lord, some of us have had fathers who are harsh, who have been unpleasable. But Lord, we thank You that as we walk by faith, we can please You. We can please You, Lord, through the power of Your Gospel. Thank You, Lord. So I pray, just set free anyone here who had fathers who were enslaved by addictions or anger, and now those same sins are trying to come into this next generation. Set them free from those addictions. And let not the sins of the fathers enslave them. Lord, anyone who did not feel loved by their earthly father, may they feel your love. May they feel the love from me as their pastor. From our other pastors. From our deacons. From our church family. May we love one another here in our church. And then Lord, for those struggling with gender confusion or with their sexual orientation and I believe the lack of love in the home and the father is a main cause for all this dysphoria today and dysfunction oh may each one of us know that we have been made male or female and that it was no mistake how you made us just as you made someone with eyes that cannot see or the ears that cannot hear. So perhaps you've made some or allowed some to struggle with these things, but Lord, help us to embrace how you have made us in your image and in your wisdom and in your love and to be the best man we could be, the best woman we could be for your glory. Would you embrace that, everyone here? And just say, thank you, Lord, for making me as you've made me.
God is a God of integrity. He's not going to make you a man and then make you feel that you're not a man. Oh, loving Father, Son and Holy Spirit, so may every son and daughter here today know they are loved with an everlasting love, that they have a life with purpose, they are precious in Your sight, they can soar with wings as eagles, and they can reach the heights that You have planned for them, and we are accepted, loved, and forgiven through Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And I've never done such a lengthy prayer in the midst of a sermon before, but felt led to do that today. And I pray that God would answer that prayer abundantly for all of us. The second thing I want us to see today, not only must we live with integrity, but if, as we love wisdom, we will lead others courageously. We will lead others courageously. So why am I saying this on, under this point? If you look at verses 12 through 16, he says in verse 15, by me kings reign and princes decree justice. By me princes rule and nobles even all the judges of the earth. So those are all positions of leadership, right? Kings, princes, judges, and wisdom says twice in those verses. What are the first two words of verse 15 and 16? What are the first two words? By me. By wisdom. So, if a judge is going to properly judge, if a ruler is going to properly rule, he must have what? Wisdom. So, wisdom is required of leaders. So that's why I'm saying we need to love wisdom in order to lead others. As we love wisdom, we will be ready to lead. But now why do I say lead others how? Courageously. Because notice what it says down in this passage, verse 14, where the last three words of verse 14, that's where I get this word courageously from. What does wisdom say? Verse 14, the last three words. What are the last three words? I have strength. I like that. What does wisdom have? Strength. Wisdom says, I have strength. And the strength there is, is a brave kind of... Not, not just talking about ability to lift weights, but a strength to stand, to take on the whole armor of God, and to stand against the evils of the devil, against the prowling deceitfulness and destruction of Satan in our world. Wisdom has the strength we need to lead others courageously with heroic strength. Strength is mine. So, if wisdom is needed by the kings and the princes and so forth, fathers, we need wisdom to lead our homes. We need wisdom to lead. I need wisdom. You need wisdom to lead others courageously. And I just saw a few different leadership traits in this passage. And I'm just going to go through these. It won't take a long time, but look at verse 12. There's a few leadership characteristics that wisdom gives as we need to lead. Verse 12 says, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge with witty inventions. Now, that's kind of a witty way of saying it. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard, like, what is that even saying, you know? But basically what that's saying is wisdom gives 
the leader the ability to face a problem and, and find a solution. Wisdom is a problem-solving characteristic. We will be able to be creative and be wise and shrewd, if you want me to use that word shrewd, to devise plans. Verse number 12 where he says, I wisdom dwell with prudence. The word there is subtlety. The word is not always used even in a good sense, but here it's used in a, obviously in a good sense. Because wisdom saying, I dwell with subtlety. In other words, a shrewdness. An ability to devise a way where there seems to be no way. The ability to solve a problem. Now, sometimes we have problems. I have problems every day of my life. In my marriage, with my children, in our church. And we have to figure it out, right? So we need to go to God. You have problems on your job. And you have to work through relationship problems. You know, you cannot put two people in one room and not have problems. You know, because we're just going to see things differently and, and ultimately we're going to cause some friction amongst each other. And that's what happens in church as well. So we need to have problem-solving wisdom. That's better than gold. Better than silver. The second thing is deep faith. Verse 13. Now here we come again to one of the key phrases of the book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The fear of, that, of the Lord is that awe-inspiring zeal and reverence for God. But really, I just put deep faith. The fear of the Lord is having a deep faith in your heart, a conviction of who God is, and you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do you love Jesus? Amen. Jesus did so much for us, we can never do it ourselves. Do you know we need a Savior? We cannot save ourselves. We need Jesus to save us. There's no other way to be saved. He is the Savior of the world. He is the Savior, the one Savior of this one world. Just like we have one sun in the sky. People say, well, how can there just be one Savior? Well, how can this world just have one sun to satisfy everybody? Isn't that amazing? One sun in the sky gives enough heat and light for all the billions of people on this planet and one Savior, Jesus Christ, will save whosoever will call upon Him. Hallelujah. We need to have deep faith. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. That's wisdom. That's leadership. Leadership has wise counsel. Leaders are sought for advice. Look what he says in verse 13. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. And the word counsel there has the idea of decrees. To decree is to literally to cut into stone certain laws. That's the idea of counsel. Uh, 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 you know, God is the king of the earth, right? And when he made laws, where did, he, where did he cut his laws into when he gave them to Moses? He cut them into stone and he gave Moses. So that's the idea. Leaders have the authority to decree and to give counsel. Leaders are sought for advice. Remember when... Moses was leading the people through the wilderness and they were coming to him and, and Moses was making decisions all day long until his father-in-law said, hey, it's too much for you. You, got, you need to delegate that out. But the point is, Moses, they came to Moses, a great leader, for counsel, for advice, for instruction, for decrees, to establish laws. And I thought of this as far as fathers. So fathers, you're like the king of your home. 
You're the judge of your home. You're the prince of your home. You decree in your home. You give counsel in your home. You make laws in your home. Make sure those laws will point your children and your family to Jesus Christ. Make sure those laws will build strong relationships with those under you. Counsel is mine. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. And blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of who? The ungodly. So you see, there's the counsel of the ungodly, but there's the counsel of wisdom. We need to have, be wise counselors because what, is this, what does Isaiah say? His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. And the fourth thing here about wisdom is heroic strength. You know who that's a picture of? I tried to get a picture of him. Do you, can you guess who that would be? Noah, yeah. Now, it seems more and more we are just getting squeezed as Christians, right? I mean, we are being squeezed out of the public square. We're being squeezed. We're being told to shut up. We're, we're being told to go to your closets and, and do your religion there. Don't bring it out into public. We have had leaders in, our, in Washington, D.C. sit in committee, uh, committee meetings and grilling people who have been appointed for jobs, basically telling those people, if you believe in those Christian views you have, you cannot serve in our government. I mean, that, that's ridiculous, but that people are actually have, have said things along those lines. We need to be strong. These are days where it will take heroic strength to live a Christian life. You young people, you want to live for Jesus Christ? Put the armor on and be willing to suffer for Jesus Christ. And that will take heroic strength. Leaders must not compromise to the pressure of culture. And if there ever was a man, you think, about, you think it's hard for us? Imagine Noah. I mean, he, was, he and his family were the only people on the earth. How could, how could you be right, Noah? Nobody agrees with you, Noah. You're crazy, you narrow-minded, intolerant bigot. You think the only way? You think it's going to rain? What are you, nuts? It had never rained. You think the only way to get out of the flood, ha <laughs> flood, is through that one door on the ark? What are you, nuts, Noah? No, he was, he was wise. A man of great heroic strength. The last thing we'll say here today, not only must we live with integrity and lead others courageously, but we must learn, learn to obtain enduring riches. Now this is not natural to us. And as we said earlier, wisdom gives us what money cannot buy. And there are a lot of rich people who are rich fools. And their riches are not going to endure. But when you're wise, your riches will endure both in this life and to the next. And I love this phrase, and we're, now we're going to focus in on verses 17 through 21, where again he says, I love them that love me. Those that seek me early shall find me. So again, I say to the young people, Seek wisdom while you're young so that you do not develop foolish patterns in your life. 
I'm going to give you one example. You know how many people are trapped in terrible addictions that they would love to stop those addictions? But they started something that they thought, oh, this isn't that bad. Oh, everybody's doing it. Oh, I could stop when I want. People who smoke cigarettes cannot stop when they want. This past week, one of our family members, every time we went outside, lit up another cigarette and did apologize to me. I'm sorry, I got to smoke. I, I wish I didn't have to. But they're addicted to it. Don't start things like that, that you're just going to get addicted to, and then you'll wish you stopped. Gambling, drugs, alcohol. I mean, I, we could go on and on. So wisdom gives us enduring riches. Seek wisdom. Now look at verse 18. It says, Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. Durable. That's the word where I get enduring. Durable riches. Riches that truly last. Don't, isn't that the kind of wealth you want? So, here's the point. As you love wisdom and seek wisdom... You will get durable riches and righteousness. That's what wisdom will give you. That's better than gold. That's better than ruby. It's better than silver. So, seeking wisdom does not exclude... Listen to me. Seeking wisdom does not exclude the right kind of wealth. Many godly people have been wealthy. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. Actually, wise people will know how to be a better wealthy person than an unwise person. Wisdom does not exclude the right kind of wealth. Enduring riches. Riches with righteousness. Look even in verse number 20. Look what he says there. I lead, and wisdom is talking, I lead in the way of righteousness and in the midst of the paths of judgment. You know what those two words are, Anna, Edgar, in our class today? Those are those same two words in Psalm 106, verse 3. They're often paired together. You know where they're first paired together? Remember when we studied the life of Abraham? When God said to Abraham, I know him, that he will command his family after him, and they will follow in righteousness and judgment. And basically, I'll put it this way. You know what righteousness is? Doing the right thing. You know what judgment is? Treating people the right way. When you're wise, you'll be able to do the right thing. And you'll treat people the right way. You want to do the right thing, young man? Amen? I know you do. Praise God. You want to love your mom and your dad and honor them and respect them and obey them? Seek and love wisdom as a young man. And you'll be rich. You'll be rich in this world's goods. So wisdom's reward results in the right kind of wealth. Enduring riches. That's what I've been saying. Then, the second thing I want to say is, beware of the danger in seeking wealth without wisdom. So in other words, if you get them backwards... And I said this earlier, if you don't love and seek for wisdom, you're going to end up basically loving and seeking after money. And the love of money is what? The root of all evil. And why is that? Why? Let me ask you this question. Answer this question in your mind. 
Why is it dangerous to seek wealth without wisdom? Why is the love of money the root of all kinds of evil? Why is that wrong? Why can't I seek... I, I'm, first, first landlord I had in New York City and the, the, the church, he was a Seventh-day Adventist man, a very nice man, but he told me his, his goal in life was to be a millionaire. Now he'd be poor, just about half a million dollars. No, just kidding. I wouldn't mind a million dollars, but a million dollars is a lot more in 1984, though, than it is now, is my point. But that was his goal, to seek wealth. But what's the danger in seeking wealth without wisdom? Because it equates to loving money, which is the root of all evil. But also, if wealth is your priority, how are you going to treat people? How will you treat people? You'll walk over them. You'll use them. You'll lie to them. You want to get rich. You'll cheat them. You'll deceive them. You'll manipulate them. You'll covet what they have. You'll break every commandment. Just about. To get rich. So, if wealth is your goal, you'll mistreat, I put it here, you'll mistreat others to gain the wealth, and then once you have the wealth, what will you do with it? What will you do with it? You know, I know people that once they become rich, they spend it all on gambling. They spend it all, they, they fritter it away. Now, I know some rich people use their money. I mean, Jeff Bezos, I don't think he's a spiritually wise person, but he's got wisdom with money, for sure. And he built Amazon. But many people, when they gain wealth, they misuse that wealth when they get it. Now, go to First Timothy, please, and then we'll close in just a few moments. First Timothy chapter 6. And here's this famous passage, if you don't know where it is. Sometimes we, we know those phrases, right? You know, the love of money is the root of all evil. Do you know where it is? Do you know what book and chapter? Okay, so it's 1 Timothy chapter 6. And look at it, please, with me in verse 6. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, you want to be rich? Live a godly life. And be content. And that's, that's ultimate gain. Because that will last you forever. That will last you a whole lot longer than the car you buy today, <laughs> the house you're living in, the material things of this world will just stay here. We won't bring them with us. But when we lay up treasure in heaven, we're, we have enduring riches. But then he says... We brought nothing into this world. It is certain that we can carry nothing out. And no one has ever figured out a way to make that not true. I, I know that Elon Musk and these guys are trying to extend their lives to live forever down here. Do you know that's what they're trying to do? Bezos, Zuckerberg, they, they, they think they're smart enough to beat death. They're not going to beat death. Only Jesus Christ beat death. And then he says... Having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. For they that will be rich. So, the will there is key. Those who will to be rich. They make that their, their priority. Their will. Their human will is not set on seeking God and His wisdom. It's set on seeking money. They that will be rich fall into what? Temptation. They're conquered by temptations. And snares. You know what snares are? They get trapped. A snare is a trap. You know what a trap is? 
Something easy to get into and hard to get out of. That's a trap. If you love money, you're going to get trapped. Don't, don't love money. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says you will be trapped in, he says basically, many foolish and hurtful lusts. You're going to get trapped and you won't be able to get out of injurious behaviors. Things that are going to hurt you. I'm trying to protect you. God's trying to protect us. Amen? So, you'll be captured by snares that are going to trap you and hurt you and injure you. And we see that every day of our lives. And then he says, keep on moving through this passage. This is a very powerful passage. He says, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Drown, they crash. They're plunged into destruction and perdition. And then he says, for the love of money, there it is, the love of money is the root of all evil, which some, having coveted after, have erred from the faith. Many people err from their faith and walk away from Jesus Christ. We have people in this church who were with us for numbers of years who I believe left One reason, I don't say the only, but at least one of the reasons was they could have a better financial success if they got out of here. They've erred from the faith. A love of money. And then it says, they have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. They're tortured by their sorrow in the end. So that's what the love of money does to you. A number of years ago, I knew a man who committed suicide. And I met him just a few times, but I did get to meet him. And he wrote a letter and left a letter behind when he committed suicide. And the letter he wrote said this. And he wrote it to his brother. He said, I feel the hurt I've done to you. Money, more than anything, has caused this hurt. Money, more than anything, has caused this hurt. And he couldn't deal with it and he committed suicide. He said, my love for it, my life driven by it, my need to keep on making it, it's a hard pattern to break. Dad has ingrained it in me. Dads, don't ingrain that in your children. So we need to love wisdom. We need to love the Lord. Because Jesus Christ in wisdom came, left the glory and riches of heaven. Think of that. And came, you know the story, came to earth dirt poor and, and, and walked through life. And He even said, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, the Son of Man has what? Nowhere. And then He went to a cross. He was stripped. And He had five pieces of clothes or so to His name. That was what He left behind, earthly wise. But yet He's the richest man who ever lived. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who shed His precious blood on the cross to save us. And may we follow Him and be men and women of wisdom through Jesus Christ. Let's stand together as we pray.
Father, thank You so much that You're our King, our King of kings. You're our Lord. You're the Lord of every Lord of earth. Help us to love You, God, and to love wisdom, which is one of Your attributes. And this is just one attribute we are to love. We are to love holiness. We are to love Your love. We are to love Your patience. But we want to love wisdom, Lord, because we've got to navigate this difficult and dark world. So, Lord, help us to live with integrity, to be people with right values, and then integrate those values into our actions. And how many would say, Pastor Matt, I want to be a person of integrity. Can I see your hand? Just put your hand up. Say, yes, yes, Lord. I'm in. I want to love wisdom and love righteousness and love purity and love gentleness. Lord, give us those traits of wisdom. Please, Lord, and forgive us. Forgive us for where we have not been wise. You said, Lord, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask. We ask you, Lord, because we are weak. Oh, Lord, we're so weak. And as we pray for some of the sons and daughters in our midst who had fathers who were not wise, and they've been left hurt and haunted by their words of their fathers, we do pray for healing today and that we would all live with integrity. You can put your hands down. And how many would say, Pastor Matt, I want to I wanna lead others with courage. I want courage to stand for Jesus like Dudley Ting said before he died. Stand up for Jesus. That's how I want to live this life. Being a problem solver. Being a person of deep faith, wise counsel, and strength. Put your hand up if you say, Pastor Matt, I want to lead others courageously. I want to stand for Jesus, my Savior, who died for me. Say hallelujah. Yes, Lord, hallelujah. Thank you. You may put your hands down. And we all have financial needs. Man, aren't we getting creamed in this inflation? I know it's hard. It's hard to put gas in the tank, to pay our bills, to go to the store, buy a loaf of bread, buy milk. I mean, these things are, are just outrageously expensive like we've never seen before. It's hard. It's hard on me, and I understand it's hard on us today. But we have to learn to obtain the enduring riches. Riches that will last beyond this life. Riches that will bring us before the throne of Jesus Christ where He'll put the crown on our head and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Oh, let's live for Jesus. Let's learn to obtain enduring riches. And He'll meet your needs. He'll give you the wealth and the riches you need and the righteousness you need most of all. Hallelujah. So just put your hand up one last time and say, yes, I want to live for, uh, and learn to obtain enduring riches for the glory of God. And help me, Lord. Meet our needs, Lord. If you have a financial need, just put your hand up to the Lord and say, God, meet the need that I have in my life right now. I don't know how I'm going to pay that bill. God knows. He'll provide. He'll lead. He'll, he's a good God. Help us now, Lord. We praise You. In Jesus' name, amen.